and welcome to the Wards Auto Podcast. I'm David Kiley, Senior Editor at Wards Auto. Wards last week presented the awards for our 10 Best Engines and Propulsion Systems winners for 2023 at the AutoTech Electrification Conference. Some highlights of the awards and winners. Among the 10 were six electrified vehicles, including three battery electrics and three hybrids. We also had four ICE vehicles, including two V8s and a V6. Here are the winners, in case you missed it. The BMW M2, 3-liter turbocharged six-cylinder. The Chevy Corvette Z06, 5.5-liter V8. The Dodge Hornet RT, the 1.3-liter turbocharged four-cylinder plug-in hybrid. The Ford Mustang Dark Horse, the 5-liter V8. Old school. Honda Accord Hybrid, the two-liter four-cylinder hybrid electric vehicle. The Hyundai Ioniq 6, electric. The Lucid Air Touring, electric. The Mercedes-Benz AMG C43, a two-liter turbocharged four-cylinder. The Nissan Aria E-Force, electric. And finally, the Toyota Prius Prime, two-liter four-cylinder plug-in electric. So Ward's editors and analysts evaluated a total of 32 vehicles, 13 ICE vehicles, 10 BEVs, and 9 hybrids. The hybrid count included 5 plug-in hybrids overall and 4 regular hybrids. At the electrification conference last week, the staff of judges, editor-in-chief Bob Gritzinger, editorial director Dave Zoya, Contributing editor Drew Winter, who is also a judge for North American Car and Truck of the Year, managing editor Jim Irwin, and myself gathered, and I moderated our panel discussion about the selections. I should say that Ward's intelligence analyst, Christy Schweinsberg, who was one of our judges, was ill for the second day of the conference, so we represented her comments and thoughts ourselves. Well, we thought you would like to hear what we had to say. It's about 30 minutes. I hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back after this quick message from our sponsor, American Axle, with a good discussion about the top 10 propulsion systems of 2023. This podcast is brought to you by American Axle and Manufacturing. AAM is designing, engineering, and manufacturing award-winning vehicle technologies to power a more sustainable future. Their team is pushing the boundaries of disruption all around the world with over 80 global locations in 18 countries. To learn more and join the team that is bringing the future faster, visit aam.com careers. Gentlemen, let's go around the group Slightly longer than a lightning round style, but of the 10 winners we arrived at, which vehicle would you most want the Price is Right host, Drew Carey, to drop off in your driveway as your ride for the next three years? (laughs) So we'll start with Drew. Okay. I'm trying to figure out how much tax I would have to pay on that. (laughs) But um, other than that, I, I would think it would probably be the Lucid Air. Just an incredible car and uh, in so many different ways. And it's also because of the electric motors and what they're small, it has a really lavishly roomy interior for a car its size. So the electrification, the technology is really good and incredibly fast. 
huge range. I mean, just that would be the price for no object. That would be my pick. Christy uh, became ill and could not make it here today, but she would echo your support for the Lucid. She says, um, while I really enjoyed driving every single winter this year, the one I would want dropped in my driveway is the air. 885 pound feet is maximum torque in the touring grade we drove. That's crazy. And yes, you can feel all of that in sprint mode. You have to touch an okay on the IP before it will let you actually engage that mode. It's that intense. So one more voice heard. Jim, how about you? I'm going to be a nice throwback guy here. And uh, I would like to have in my driveway the uh, Mercedes AMG C43. I think they really pulled something off with the electric turbocharger. And uh, there's just a, there's one, one stat that just knocked me out, and that was 202 horsepower per liter on the specific output. Mm-hmm. Nobody else came close. Drew mentioned the tax consequences. <laughs> at 60, for $61,000, I, I can live with that. Okay. How about you, Dave? I'm going to go old school as well, but I, I'm going with the uh, Mustang Dark Horse. I, I, I think I have a soft spot in my heart for Mustangs. And I just enjoy driving that car, uh, everything about it, really. Um, it was it, great shifting. It just My only worry was I'd probably get ticketed all the time because like, I couldn't <laughs> keep it under 90 on, on the freeway. So, but, but I'd go Mustang. Or keep it under 100 decibel. Right. Yeah, that yeah. Too. How about you, Bob? Yeah, I, uh, you know, Corvette, Mustang, the BMW M2, those would be easy picks. Um, I, I kind of went with the pragmatist in me, and I love the Dodge Hornet RT for the kind of the combination of performance, 5.6 seconds, 0 to 60, combined with 32 miles of electric range. So power shot when you want it, and then most of the time you're just driving around on electric power. Uh, so economy as well. Kind of a uh, yeah, like curveball pick. I like that you. one a lot actually too. So yeah. Uh, since I was a job, I'm just going to say I really love the Lucid, but the one that surprised me the most and, and I really loved was the Honda Accord Hybrid. I, I'm a kind of a practical guy. That car drives and the acceleration and everything, it feels as powerful as an electric. It really does. And it, it, uh, but then you have the hybrid aspect. Their job, their work on that propulsion system is, is really quite extraordinary, I think. Talk about the, because we, I forget how many total vehicles we. 32. 32. Thank you, Bob. Which of the vehicles that didn't make our top 10? was kind of a pet favorite or one that you wish we had an 11th spot for. Yeah. Drew. Okay, I would go with the uh, with the Toyota. Uh, oh, God, the long name. Highland, Grand Highlander. High Grand Highlander HEV Max. Max. Yeah. Okay, yeah. a little bit of a long name there. <laughs> um, but um, really, you're talking about a three-row SUV. And it's 400 pound-feet of torque, and uh, you get 300 and some horsepower. Really, V8 horsepower you're getting from a big vehicle that gets 27 mpg. 
And so I think it it's it's not well, 27 MPG for a vehicle like that and I think it's three wheel or three row SUVs are the vehicles that are paying the bills right now for the auto industry. So, and it was very great sounds and everything else, but um, I think it's a very practical and a great trend to see in these bigger vehicles because they are the most popular, they are the most profitable, and um, I think we have to give those vehicles some support because our future, I think, belongs as much to these type of vehicles uh, as it does to fully electric vehicles. Jim, how about you? The Toyota Prius Prime has a sibling, hybrid only, and uh, I think unlike uh, some of the short periods of time where that we had for testing, uh, I had the opportunity earlier this month to take it on an 1,100-mile road trip through five states, and uh, it was it wasn't quite as quick as the Prius, but it was. Um, I did notice that. Once we got into the Dakotas, where the speed limit on the interstate is 80, the uh, gas mileage actually improved, which kind of uh, kind of blew us both away. So kind of goes uh, against that whole 55 mile an hour speed <laughs> thing from hey, back in the day, huh? It's w- w- wide open. We're in the Dakotas, right? So um, yeah, the the Prius hybrid mm-hmm. is uh, would be my choice. And what was the the fuel economy that you got kind of average over the trip? It said 40 on the Monroney, mm-hmm. and we were up at one point at 45. Nice. Dave, how about you? What was your 11th pick? I'm going to go with another Toyota, actually. Uh, the electric Lexus RZ450, which um, the, the lesson I learned with that one is don't judge a car by its specs, because when you look at that, it's sort of unimpressive versus a lot of electrics out there in terms of the power and and the torque and the other key metrics. But it just worked really well to me. It it had plenty of power, even though it didn't indicate it on the specs, Uh, passing on the freeway at speeds, you know, up up to 70, 80 miles an hour was easy. I just think it was a a great piece of of match, uh, the powertrain to the vehicle. And, And it had an Achilles heel, range of less than 200 miles, and I think that's probably what kept it off the list. But uh, from a pure dynamic standpoint, I thought that was a great car. And uh, Christy would uh, support you on that Ah, choice. She liked the RZ as well, the really intense character that was way more impressive than the, uh, the numbers on paper. But she did mention range, that range shortfall is probably what held it back. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Chief? Well, a little bit different from everyone. Um, I really enjoyed the big 4.4-liter turbo V8 in the BMW 760i. Now, we had obviously some really enjoyable performance V8s that might have edged it out this time around. If it had been... Uh, the lone V8, I, I would have been fighting hard to get this thing in the field. 536 horse, 553 pound-feet of torque, but not only squeezed by competition in this round, but also 
you know, I think in the back of our minds, there's that glorious V12 past of the 760 that maybe, you know, detracts from, oh, it's just a mere V8. Um, and then at the other bookend, uh, we've driven the i7, and that's a tremendous performance vehicle. It kind of got squeezed out, but really a tremendous powertrain. Yeah, and I actually agree with, with Drew on the Toyota Highlander. It's uh, for a lot of the same reasons. I, I'm a bad value in utility and fuel economy, and if you need a vehicle that big, you know, 27, 28 miles per gallon is about as good as you're going to get right now. And that's combined, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we are moving towards EVs, obviously. And I talked about the mix here. We've got V8s and, and v 6 when we evaluate these vehicles both this year and, and next year and, and in the years to come, how much should we pay attention to fuel economy? Like, what is the context? Because we've got three vehicles, you know, performance, you know, roadsters here that don't get very good fuel economy, but we put them on the list anyway. So uh, talk about the context. Uh, let's start at this end with you, Bob. I don't grade down uh, for fuel economy when it's a performance, when it's a, a, a Mustang, when it's, you know, a, something that obviously is going to drink a lot of fuel and that's, that's its purpose in life. There are certainly other measures, but I think one of the things that we have to look at is uh, how is a vehicle rated? What's it say on the Monroney? Does it match? And if, if it's rated higher in MPG or with electrics in miles per kilowatt hour, I'd like to test by if it doesn't match up in our real-world driving, that's when I start to push it down the list. I think Drew will concur with this because we're, we're the two that have been around here uh, the longest, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, I think fuel economy has played a role in the list more in some years than others, and it's kind of reflective of what's going on in, in the industry and, and, and the pressures for fuel economy. So I think when we've gone back some years, we've, it's been a great emphasis. We've kicked cars out because, you know, over a couple of miles per gallon, you know, that, that didn't make the cut on the list. And then other times, you know, it's not, it's not as important um, to buyers, and, and I think our lists kind of reflect that too. Yeah, and I think you have to look at the use case scenario, too, because, you know, I don't think too many people are, are, are going to be, you know, doing their daily commute in a Z06. Um, and same thing with... Especially with, not with cup tires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the, uh, you know, the, the splitter that's about two inches off the, the, the pavement, and it would be like 15000 to replace or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, they're kind of recreational vehicles, and they're probably only going to... They're, they're going to be driven on the track... And they're, I mean, I think if you looked at the total carbon emissions that they would have in a year or any given amount of time, it wouldn't be that much because it's not really, we're not really talking about transportation here. It's, it's a recreation or it's more of a, you know, it's, it's, it's very much a, a part-time use type of vehicle. So I think it kind of, this type of stuff is different from some of the, you know, mainstream vehicles that we would, we would look at. Jimmy, any thoughts on that? I look at uh, fuel economy as part of the overall value proposition 
of the vehicle. And uh, one of the reasons I voted for the um, Accord Hybrid attend best was the uh, was it stickered for thirty seven thousand dollars, which um, in these days when you know the average transaction price is uh, is nudging fifty thousand dollars, I think that's uh, I think that's significant. That's a common criticism of of EVs. People can't afford them. Well. Here's your Accord Hybrid for, which is right in the ballpark of most, um, let's say, reasonably priced cars. Uh, I just want to go back to Bob for a second. So of these three cars, the, the BMW, the Corvette, and the Dark Horse, if, if you had a second whack at the Drew Carey question, which one would you want to drop? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Dave Zoya on this one. Um, that Mustang Dark Horse, there's just something visceral about driving that car. Uh, Corvette's fantastic, BMW, phenomenal, but boy, in the driveway every day to have that car. Um, and maybe it was the really slick shifting manual transmission that put it over the top. 3D printed, I mean, titanium, all <laughs> shifting. Yeah, I, and, and I go back to you know, driving uh, big big block GM V8s and rock crusher four speeds back when, or or worse, three on a tree, and trying to, you know, get things to mesh and hit the right gear and not blow the engine up uh, by hitting the wrong gear, it just doesn't happen in this. It's a complete powertrain. I would take the Corvette if they threw in the car condo at the M1 in Pontiac, because uh, you know you really you'd want to drive that car on a track because it's yeah. just so crazy. I can't imagine driving the dark horse on Michigan roads. You'd be forever replacing ground clearance was you know was an inch. I think you mean the Corvette. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Corvette. yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Both were pretty tight. Yeah, yeah. So. We have, uh, we have some EVs in our top 10, where I suspect we'll have even more in the coming years. Not all the EVs we tested landed on the top 10. I find it sometimes, with few exceptions, sometimes I find it difficult to rate and assess the EV to, against other EVs because there's a little bit, for me, more sameness from EV to EV as far as the propulsion system and, and, and how they drive and perform than, than there have been with ICE engines over the year. I mean, you got clear distinctions, like from a four-cylinder, you know, up to an eight, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So other than assessing on range, let's talk about how, how we assessed the EVs this year and how we expect, you know, in the coming years that we're going to assess EVs. First of all, there there is that miles per kilowatt hour efficiency thing yeah. that I look at, and you know, three is kind of standard now. Uh, Lucid gets you up into four, almost five. Um, but the other uh, measure, and it it's a little trickier to pick up on. But uh, while all of the EVs, uh, permanent magnet EVs, have just tremendous torque off the line. When you get up to speed, the way those motors work, those magnets start to work against propulsion. And so in the in the higher speed ranges, maybe you know in your 60 to 80 push, 
you you feel it kind of deaden out and and you don't get that same kind of response and so uh, i'm looking for whether they're able to overcome that and uh, depending on the vehicle i think the uh let's see we had the nissan aria on the list and that uses an externally excited motor no permanent magnets and you can feel it at those higher speeds there there isn't that sort of feel like it's the powertrain is getting dull the power is still there I'll, I'll just say there's some ancillary things i think that go into the judging too you know can you fast charge this you know how long does it take to charge the vehicle how is the the regen uh you know and what can you do with the regen is it is it flexible that that type of stuff i think plays a, a role for me yeah the ionic six has uh four levels of regen and uh if if you know what you're doing once you've gotten used to it you can uh you can really use that uh use that to your advantage but i think uh charging time is a really important metric mm -hmm. well i think sounds uh, automakers spend a lot of time creating both i think sort of real sounds and synthetic sounds to give um vehicles um you know a sense of personality and um i do listen to the sounds and sort of the entertainment value and both exterior and interior also has uh, plays a role in what I think because it shows you how much the engineers look at the overall user experience of the car. And um, so that's, that's just another way that differentiates it. With uh, the BMW M50 that we tested, it was a, a winner last year. I mean, there's like these Star Wars sounds that go off or, or that it makes when you accelerate and things. It makes it, I think, one of the things that makes it fun. I agree with all of what you said. I would add to, for me, is that the price value too is, is gonna come into it for me a lot because there are some car companies that manage this um, uh, wonderful combination of performance and experience, range, but also where the price is. Have they overachieved on the price with what they're offering You know, in, in the overall package and experience. So, so with that, I would like to uh, open it up to the floor. We have uh, about five minutes or so. If you have any questions about our process or the vehicles that we chose, or maybe something we, we didn't choose. Is there anything to consider about just making, you know, the expectation to make EVs fun. Is there any of the cars that stick out that are really like, wow, this is a really fun car? Because a lot of the, uh, the discussion is balls around, I don't know, efficiency and green technology and all that, which is good. But what about fun? When it relates to battery electrics? Yeah. Like oh, the for sure. Really uh, make you I, go, wow, I, 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 I appreciate this. For the car guys yeah. out here like that are really into, you know, that are motorheads, right? And that we got into this industry for a reason that we love cars. Is there something that stands out? I think we, we touched on it a bit with the Lexus RZ. Uh, that's an example of what feels like a, you know, performance Lexus sports car from start to finish. You know, it's also sounds, as Drew points out, so. They're starting to have those happy buttons that, you know, you can boost the, the output. Right, the power boost. Power boost. And I, I feel like most of the EVs are actually geared towards performance and fun, actually. They, they all jump off the line pretty quick. 
I think when we first picked the Ionic 6, we drove electric Porsches and we felt that it was pretty comparable, right? Right, right. So I think, I think there's a lot of fun EVs out there. Well, and that's what, uh, too, really stuck, on, uh, stuck out for me was the Dodge Hornet, where they, they actually make it, you know, so they sort of gamify how you can use the power. You know, you can push this button and suddenly you get this huge surge and it's, you know, you, it has all these different personalities. And so I, I think this gamification and all these other things, well, just the raw acceleration you get from even pretty mild EVs, I mean, I think all that really makes a fun driving experience. I will also say that the Lucid, to me, is an incredibly fun driving experience. It is uh, the, that all that torque and added to the range. That, that was the one that I just felt like I was driving a car that was five years ahead of a lot of other competition. But, it, you know, it's interesting you bring up the fun factor because I don't think the automakers have even begun to touch on the fun factor of a lot of driving electric with, with the consumers in terms of their advertising and storytelling. I, I don't think they've, any of them have done Wait till this Daytona SRT debuts. I, I mean, uh, again, having having experienced what that just sounds like in the design dome out there in Auburn Hills a, a year ago, it blew everybody away. Uh, and that car will personify performance and, and driving pleasure in an EV. But then, you know, there's the other side of the equation, which is that they're completely silent. They can be just, you don't have any engine noise, you know, there's a whir out there and that's about it, so. I'm gonna have my, my moment as a curmudgeon because I live in Dearborn and, and we are plagued by drivers who uh, modify their exhaust systems to be as loud as possible going through our residential neighborhoods from stop sign to stop sign at 55 and 60 miles an hour. So the quiet, I'm all for it. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's stock on the dark horse, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's stock on the dark horse. But if you buy a lower-end Mustang, you know, the people in... Still get some of that. The people in Dearborn, I swear, are drilling holes with, with their cordless drill in, in their exhaust system just to make it as loud as possible. You may have a catalytic converter <laughs> theft problem there that uh, you haven't identified. <laughs> there is that. Anyway, any other questions before we, uh, before we wrap and, and get into the lunch hour? So you've talked a lot about performance. Um, what are your favorite vehicles in terms of styling? And what would be your top pick uh, in terms of aesthetics of the vehicle? Ionic 6. Lucid. From this list, I would say the Corvette. Yeah. Well, let's hold out for the uh, electric Corvette. Yeah. Hopefully, well, uh, good point, because in the, next, coming. in the next decade, that's these cars with the V8s are going to be electric. But uh, I would say the tie for me with the Ionic 6 and elusive in terms of overall aesthetics. And, and I'm kind of taking the, the three uh, performance vehicles kind of out of that. But of this group, I, I really like the, the silhouettes and, and, and the packaging of those. Streamliner look of that Ionic yeah. 6 is just Terrific. stunning. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's no wonder when our last speaker, Mickey, talked about, and more companies besides Stellantis are benchmarking the heck out of Hyundai because they're, they're doing so well across the board. So as an interiors guy, too, I'd also like to point out that uh, the Nissan Aria has some really interesting uh, smart materials where they use Hoptic, uh, their virtual buttons and switches in the car that are um, they're embedded in the uh, console and on the um, instrument panel. And it's a really new idea, and it's going to be coming a much bigger idea where you have these virtual buttons that uh, all over the vehicle. They're um, more efficient, and they save, well, they save costs, and they also have a different look. So, I mean, I think that's another area where we're looking with EVs, where they're starting new design aesthetics for all sorts of things besides switchgear um, that also are going to make them more interesting and fun. On our road trip, I heard more than once, that's a Prius. Yeah. Well, yes, good point, because they have, that's the maybe the biggest, most important change with the Prius is the styling of, of this generation. So. This podcast was brought to you by American Axle and Manufacturing. AAM is designing, engineering, and manufacturing award-winning vehicle technologies to power a more sustainable future. Their team is pushing the boundaries of disruption all around the world with over 80 global locations in 18 countries. To learn more and join the team that is bringing the future faster, visit aam.com careers. Well, that's a wrap for this week. In the coming weeks, we will be running some great stuff that I gathered from the Autotech Wards Auto Electrification Conference. Remember to subscribe to the Wards Auto Podcast on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can play it right off the Wards Auto page. When you see one of our podcast stories or if you see the graphic for the podcast, just click the Listen Now graphic. I'm David Kiley, Senior Editor at Ward's Auto. Graham Mitchell is our Chief Engineer. Till next time, enjoy the ride.